video airwave review. And I'm gonna have three victims join me. We have Carlin, Swami, and Dr. Stunts. I'll have you guys join me up here. So a little context for the next 15 minutes, what we're about to look at. Now, who out there uses video laryngoscopy or has a glottoscope, CMAC, et cetera? Yes, exactly. And so you may be familiar that these machines have a record button somewhere on there, correct? So at the University of Kentucky, we like to record these videos so that we can then review them later in an asynchronous matter, manner. That lets us review challenging airways in an M&M kind of situation, and we review maybe 15 to 20 every other month in our residency program. So a little bit of context is that for these videos, there is no context. We won't know the patient's situation. We're just gonna dive right into whatever was recorded, okay? And we're gonna have three cases for each of our participants to walk us through, what do you see? What's going on? What might you do differently? And inevitably, not all of these airways are managed, say, perfectly. So there's usually some opportunity for improvement. Everyone on board with what we're doing? Okay, good. We have our volunteers slash victims this morning. Round two this afternoon, we're gonna see who from the audience wants to participate and take their place. So think now, if this is something that maybe you wanna subject yourself to. Are you guys ready? Okay. All right, so we'll start with you, Swami, for the first one. Video number one. Seen a lot of fluid, obviously, as we're going in. I would like a big suction catheter to be going in first. And there's some goobers. And now we're back out, we're back in. There's a lot, so it's hard to see really a lot of airway structures because there's so much stuff clouding. And this is what people talk about as one of the downsides with video that you're the fluids, if the oil airways- tell where we even are, am I Hard right? to tell where I am. So if they have a soiled airway, the uh, camera gets clouded and I can't really tell what I'm doing. And I, that's when I'm, I'm not seeing great landmarks to tell me where I am. And I think it's because of- Tim, let's take a pause here. That fluid. So now how can we reorient ourselves here? Cause there's a lot going on. So how can we like get control of this? So, so we got to clear the secretions before we're going to do anything. And this is a change from how we used to train where it was insert the laryngoscope, Oh God, I see vomit and fluids. Now I need a suction catheter. Instead of that, I just lead with a suction catheter. So the first thing that goes into my patient's mouth is my suction catheter. I prefer to use a large bore suction catheter every time. I don't take any money from Jim Decanto, but Decanto suction catheters is what we use. So I'm going to put that in first, and then I'm going to come behind that with my laryngoscope. So the suction catheter is always leading the way to clear that airway. And then I can just slowly advance my laryngoscope until I actually get some landmarks. I'm like, oh, now I know what I'm looking at. I know where I am. So that's my approach here is suction catheter first, laryngoscope second. All right, Tim, let's get a little more footage on this. Let's see where we go. I feel like there's a lot of difficulty with controlling the tongue and actually getting ourselves seated into the vellecula. Am I correct? Yeah, I agree. I'm seeing a little peak of what I think is a larynx is some vocal, not really vocal cords, but I'm seeing a little peak of what I want to see, but I'm not getting a great view of it. And the laryngoscope itself seems to be moving around quite a bit. But again, I can't tell with all the secretions. 
And so yeah, you got to control the tongue. And there are a couple of ways to do that. The sweeping the tongue, I think we're moving away from a little bit, but getting it to move out of the way. Again, one of the things that Jim DeCanto has taught me is stick your finger in to move all of that tissue to the side. So you want everything to be left of you or left of the patient in order to be able to guide your laryngoscope in and putting your finger in or using the suction catheter to clear that soft tissue off to the left side is helpful. If you're using hyperangulated, you don't want to clear it, but that doesn't seem like what's going on here. This seems like a standard geometry blade. And like you said, difficulty controlling the tongue with that finger. And sometimes you just got to come out and start again. It's okay, I know I started, but I didn't start correctly. So I'm going to come out, use my finger to push things to the side then go in with my suction catheter, then come back with the laryngoscope behind it. Awesome. Let me open up to you guys. Any special pearls or techniques that you guys use to control massive vomit? So we do not have the fancy Ducanto catheter, but you can just take the yank hour off the tubing and I just shove the tubing in. So all that extension tubing that hooks up to the canister, I just shove that in. And presumably when you put that in, it preferentially goes to the esophagus. So as you're just like passing that in similar to an NG, yeah, just drop it in and let it suction as you're advancing it. And then you can put your blade in and take a look and see. One of my favorite first experiences in fellowship is I walked into a room where my program director was intubating and he had just taken the endotracheal tube and actually stuck it in the esophagus. And then he promptly turned that tube nearly directly at me. And there's just a high pressure fountain of vomit coming out of the endotrick. But he had done it intentionally, maybe not directed at me, of course, but so that he could divert some of that vomit because it was a hectic situation. That was actually what I was going to say as well as I've done that before, where you just put an endotracheal tube in or an extra suction catheter and just park it over to the side while you intubate to kind of decompress that. Yeah. And there's probably an opportunity with these. Granted, we don't know the context. But there probably is an opportunity to maybe anticipate which patient population may have this occur, right? So maybe you're going to intubate at a, at a higher degree if you think that's going to prevent uh, aspiration. And maybe there's room to decompress the stomach if it's something like a bowel obstruction that then needs to be intubated. So, so I like that idea of parking the suction catheter. So definitely go and park it there. I would say as far as anticipating, we've learned we're not as good at anticipating the difficult airways as we think we're going to be. And so I don't even try anymore. Every patient is going to get a lead with a suction catheter, whether they have secretions or not. Every patient, I'm going to have a bougie as my first, right? Because if I just say, I'm just going to intubate everybody the same, and I'm going to assume that something terrible is going on in every patient, then most of the time I'm going to have opened a bougie unnecessarily, or I'm going to open a decanto suction catheter unnecessarily. But in the times that I actually need it, I'm ready to go. So every time I do the same thing, lead with suction catheter, whether there's secretions or not. And then there's no scrambling. It's not, oh God, I, I was wrong. This person actually has a ton of vomit in their airway. I just always have it ready to go. And the catheters are not that expensive. We just asked our hospital and they're like, no, they're too expensive. And I'm like, they're 15 cents more per piece. They're like, oh, that's it? Okay, fine. So we just replaced all of the suction catheters with the large bore. It's nice. Gage, let's have the next airway for you. Let's go ahead. Video number two. This isn't my intubation from residency. Yeah. <laughs> right. So going in. I think leading with the suction would be helpful here as well. I think he's getting a decent view. Tim, let's pause there for a second. Let me ask you guys, who is suctioning this right here? Is this 
enough for you to stop what you're doing and suction or are you good? I usually saw me lead with the suction. So if I'm already there with it, so I try to get some of that away, but I've seen people not suction that. Absolutely. And how do you like our view? Is it pretty good? It's good enough to get the job done. <laughs> okay, I think cool. you could optimize. It's yeah. Pretty good views. And on what uh, blade you're using a hyperangulated blade, that's actually right where you want to be. Maybe even a little bit back. A grade two B view, something like that. Exactly. And if you're using a standard geometry, sure, you get a little better view, but I think most of us could deliver it to. Tim, let's roll this from the beginning one more time. Engage, I want you to focus on how do you like our approach? How are we entering the mouth? How are we working down the tongue? I think the tongue is on, is shifts over towards the right. I would like it to be a little bit more on the left. Can make your passing your tube a little bit more difficult if your tongue is in the way. Good. Now, what do we have going on here? Looks like somebody's doing some external manipulation, some ELM. That's right. Let's focus on that a little bit. So Tim, we'll pause there. Actually, let's back up about 10 seconds so we make sure we're all on the same page. This is a technique that probably doesn't get employed enough. External laryngeal manipulation. So let's review that for a second. This is view. So while we don't we'll get start to, to see, see what is happening outside the camera, right, there you the go. whole larynx shift back and forth. Gage, how, do, how does one do this and when do you apply this? So the way that I typically use ELM is I have my restored therapist who's usually standing right next to the patient. I have their hand on the, the proximal larynx. And then I usually put, while I'm intubating my hand over their hand, get the view that I want in the right spot. And then I tell them to hold it at that spot. So if I'm patient and the respiratory therapist, what's going on here? So I usually grab here. You don't want to grab too high up because you can actually compress the hypopharynx. So you should go right around the trachea and move it left or right or up or down in the right spot to where I want it. Good. And then First, I tell them to hold it right there. Because I think if you have somebody, if you just tell somebody to get some laryngeal pressure and they're pushing and they're not saying what you're saying and you're trying to tell them like left or right, it, it's hard. And they sometimes will be moving left or right. They're trying to hit the target. And now you're chasing what they're doing. So I think if, you're, if your hand is on top of their hand, it's a little bit easier to get them into the right spot. And then just lock it into place. Yeah. You guys, are you guys using this frequently or is it a backup or is it a go-to from the beginning? External laryngeal manipulation. I think it's just more if I can't get the right view. The With the video, you need to be a little further back. This almost seemed a little, it seemed a, a smidge too close for my liking. I would like it a little, I was like, it's not quite the view I want. It's a beautiful view of the cords, but you want to be a little bit further back just because it felt like the epiglottis was a tethered a little more. So then when they, when you see the tube passing, you can see them bumping up against that, the posterior aspect there. And so I think coming back just a little bit will make that a little smoother and a little bit easier. If you get a really nice view of the posterior cords there, then you're set, you're going to be able, and I lead with bougie. My bougie is going to go straight through there and that's going to be fairly straightforward. But sometimes too much pressure is going to make it more challenging for you to pass the, the tube. Yes, we definitely should not be doing cricoid pressure. That was what we old guys trained with and it's unnecessary and doesn't help. And if you want to know why it doesn't help, just Google John Hines cricolol or cricoid pressure and you'll hear about why it doesn't work. It's probably the best lecture ever given at a conference ever, but it doesn't work. And what's really good with video is I don't even have to guide the person. They can see what view I'm getting. So it really changes the game a lot. So 
I want the person who's doing that to actually be next to me at the head of the bed so they can see the screen as well. And then they can drop it into view. And then I can tell them, I can guide them if I want to change it. But external laryngeal manipulation changes difficult airways into very easy airways very quickly. The, the last study I saw on external laryngeal manipulation increased our POGO score. Percent, percent. Opening, glottic opening. <laughs> Something like that. The POGO score increased your glottic exposure by about 50% in all comers. It clearly is a useful addition. All right, let's get on to our last video. And I think this one's for you, Tarlin. So let's see what we have here. Get in there. Oh boy. A lot of pink, a lot of secretions. Oh, nice. I want some suction. Let's go up there. Let's go up there. <laughs> and so, scene. <laughs> yeah, it looks like someone's backing out. Just, What's going on? What here? happened there? Well, let's go let's back up just a little bit here. Let's see what's going on here. Get in there. A little difficult to get in past yeah. the teeth. That's, it's not bad, but yeah, you need suck. I don't, what, oh, collapse. <laughs> oh, try again. Is, is that a tube? Oh, yeah, no. Oh, dear. Oh, no. Too, again, the, the, the video is way too close. Needs to back up a little bit so that you can use. And we're repeatedly losing glottic exposure. Yeah, yeah. It's oh. Enjoy your lunch, guys. Yuck. So I'm not sure if you caught this at the end. What we started seeing at the end was actually chest compressions. Oh, okay. Got it. So yeah. maybe we'll yeah. roll. Yeah. Before lunch. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Before lunch. Let's roll that again. So I think we're seeing a couple things. We're losing glottic exposure. Yeah. Which is usually just from losing that lift. And maybe there's some arm fatigue going on or maybe something external to what we're seeing. Yeah. Because that's drop there. Yeah, so a suction first approach here would have been great. Yeah. And then again, the blade is way too close. The camera is way too close. So coming back and using the soft tissue to help lift up that epiglottis, a bougie first approach here would have been ideal. Yeah. And then this is, at this point, this is like a blind intubation. And we're this seeing is, the tip yeah. of the endotracheal tube. Oh, get there's hung the CPR. The I see. I see what you're yeah. saying there. Yeah, there's the CPR. Yeah. yeah Not so ideal. We, yeah, we <laughs> get some insight into the context of this, right? Because this was clearly a sick patient that needed intubation, and so it makes me think: Were there things surrounding this intubation that maybe we could have optimized so that halfway through our attempt, someone isn't starting chest compressions, which is exponentially going to make this more difficult? Who would have used the bougie first time on this? Yeah, maybe. Especially when we have the, endo the tip of the endotracheal tube catch on those retinoids. We can either say that we should have gone with the bougie first. Obviously, we didn't hear. What can we do when we get into that situation? I don't want to put too much of my context on it, but I've seen these airways before. They are usually that the patient's decompensating and someone's yelling at them, take the airway now, take the airway now. And so everything gets rushed. And that person in a non-rush scenario might have reached for their suction catheter, might have reached for their bougie, but they're like, no, I just got to get the tube in because they're telling me to do it. And I think that's where, regardless of what's happening, if you're the airway, do it the right way every time, that increases your success. We don't want to not do the compressions. If the guy's dead, he needs compressions. 
And so I have to be able to do that airway while those compressions are going or fall back on an alternate, which is drop an LMA, oxygenate through that, and I'll deliver the tube after I get ROSC, which would be a totally fine option. It's not great to do an LMA when there's a soiled airway, but suction out what you can, put the LMA in, and then go and do your resuscitation. That's more important. And actually, the first thing I was thinking of when I saw the video was the guy had a beard and a mustache. And if I hadn't had an LMA open, I would have an LMA open because I'm not going to be able to properly seal and reoxygenate with a BVM, or at least it's going to be harder to do. So I would have had an LMA for that patient if I didn't do that as a standard approach, which none of us mentioned, but I think I always have an LMA right next to the patient, even though it's not open. I don't know, an LMA costs like a couple hundred bucks. So I'll just leave it closed, but it's right there ready to go. That's the same way for an oral airway. There should always be an oral airway at the head of the bed. I think the other thing this speaks to is that your beautiful view, you have to assume you only have it for two seconds. At any point, there could be secretions, vomitus, something, CPR, something is going to go wrong. And if you only have two seconds to grab that airway, what is going to be your approach? And I think that's why most of us will advocate for the bougie, because you can get that in very quickly and then pass your tube over it, regardless of what happens afterwards. Especially to get that bougie in and chest compression start, now you've locked that passageway, right? Absolutely. Okay, cool. We're going to wrap up there. This is round one. This afternoon, we're going to invite you all up here. And if we have any brave takers. Oh,